Hey everybody, it's Gene Marks. Welcome back to another episode of Biz Books. Thanks so much for joining us. This is the show that comes out every two weeks on YouTube and obviously all the podcast platforms uh, where I talk to some really smart and intelligent and good authors of business books that I have read and I have learned from and hoping to get them to share their knowledge with all of us today. Donnie Bovine is hey. with us. Donnie, right? Because you know, yeah. it's spelled dude i grew up with this last name as a kid you just listen to somebody say donnie and then something that begin with b and i knew they were talking about me but no you got it bovine's right bovine's all right, right that's great hey it's funny with me on my uh with my thing is so my name is gene marks i can't tell you how many people i talk to that address me as mark and i'm like <laughs> i'm like what the fuck do you like read my emails it says g marks here but dude, like for some reason it's like a brain my my favorite one of all time, I was doing a, I was getting interviewed on the news and yeah. they introduced me as David Brown. I'm like, how the fuck do you get David Brown? Out? <laughs> the producers back there behind the camera, waving their fucking hands, trying to get their attention. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah Meanwhile, yeah. you can't, there's nothing you can do about it at that point. No. Oh. Right. Okay. The book is called from fuck to focus, taking your business from growth mode to ultimate scale. First of all, Donnie, tell us a little bit about what you do and what brought you to writing the book. For sure, man. You know, I didn't know I could be an entrepreneur until I was 40 years old. You know, I grew up in a blue collar household. You went, you got a job, you worked for other people. And that's just how life was. And through uh, some series of life choices and things that I did, I decided to uh, launch a company. And I tell a lot of the story in the book, but um, now I operate three companies, have two of the top podcasts, five best-selling books right now. And we are 100% as a company as a whole focused on helping people actually grow and scale their businesses by teaching all the shit that I had no clue about um, as I built a business. And you know, I'll just add into there. It's the whole reason I wrote the book was... A hundred percent, because I wish somebody would have told me a lot of this crap along the way, right. but everybody was telling you to get in the business. Nobody was telling you how to do business. Right. So I went through the school of hard knocks and that's where this book comes from. So what was, what was your original company? What did you guys do? What did you sell? So um, for my own company, it's always been success champions. But when I first came out the gate, I was put under an international non-compete. So my whole career was a straight commission sales guy. My last career was with an organization called Sandler Training, which sold sales sure. training. Sure. And, you know, when I launched my company, the corporate office immediately put me under the non-compete. So I could not talk about sales, sales training, business development, anything sure. like that. So I started off as a success coach. <laughs> and Gene, I have no fucking clue what a success coach is. <laughs> <laughs> It's obviously some sort of business whore that just says yes to anything. Yeah, yeah. And I have my own thoughts on coaches, but keep going. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, and so out the gate, you know, my desire was I, I thought I was going to be the next Tony Robbins, right? I thought I was going to be this big name on stages and doing all the stuff. But I quickly realized that nobody knew who the hell I was. Yeah. And that's kind of important if you want to go get on those big stages. Yep. So the so it's the company's always been success champions. Even though we hit rock bottom out the gate, we actually able to turn the whole damn thing around. But um, it's all centered around, you know, back then it was coaching on mindset or whatever crap I could pull out of my ass, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, which 
know, ultimately involved to where we are now. So the first business to better answer your question, I have no fucking clue what the first business was. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. So, so now you make your money from, uh, you speak, you write, and you, you consult with other companies, mostly small and mid-sized businesses. Is, is that a fair yeah, but we do more than that too. I mean, we run that we have the fastest growing networking organization on the planet. So we launched Success Champion Networking. Right. Um, we bring all the business together. We have the Badass Business Summit where we yep. bring a bunch of business together. And then we have the Champions Table Mastermind, which is more of your consult side of things. Got it. Okay. And just for you guys that are watching and listening, it's successchampionnetworking.com. We'll put that, yep. we'll put that URL up there. Um, and the Badass Business Summit is badassbusinesssummit.com. And that is an annual summit that you have that is, that is. in your network, yep. helping people run their businesses and grow their businesses. Is that, yep. is that true? And get around a bunch of other badasses so you don't become an island. Got it. All right. I'm glad. Um, this is great. So, all right, let's talk about the book. Again, from fuck to focus, taking your business from growth mode to ultimate scale. I want you to do the talking here. So let's start it up. Tell me what a champion is and what a champion's vision is for sure so you know uh when i set out the name the company i was thinking through a bunch of different names and what happened dude i'm a huge medieval fantasy buff type guy i love the old stuff so i was watching a movie troy with brad pitt and the opening scene of that movie is is one of my favorite scenes in any movie and just to set the stage, opening scene, you got two kings meeting in the middle of a field, huge armies behind them. And basically the gist of it is the one king said to the other king, dude, we can duke it out and I'll slaughter all your people or you pick your best, I'll pick my best and let them go. And the king, second king agrees. He turns, yells, this big fucking gargantuan dude who has muscles popping out where nobody should have muscles comes out in the middle of the field, right? Then the other king starts yelling for, uh, I don't know if it was Achilles, that's his name, that's Brad Pitt's character, yep, yep. Correct. starts yelling for Achilles, right, and they can't find him, and the next thing he's got this little kid who's running through the camp in it, and then all of a sudden you find Brad Pitt like in the middle of a brothel, right, just naked right. chicken everywhere. <laughs> and he's like achilles achilles you know the king wants you and finally achilles comes out he comes out of the tent the little boy looks at him and goes i don't know how you're gonna go out there that guy's a monster i couldn't go out there the little boy says and achilles looks right at him and goes that's why nobody will remember your name mm. right and then they mm. he comes out has an interaction with the king long story short one move he jumps turns stabs a big giant of a dude through the neck yeah battle over right and I was sitting there watching that scene and I went, God, at some point in our histories, kings really did this shit. They picked their fucking champion and said, sure. you're going to go duke it out. And I thought, man, how awesome is it that a king had so much faith in one person that they would champion him out front? And sure. I asked myself, when do people have the faith in themselves that, mu that so much that they would champion their own success and thus form the name success champion. And so the whole idea of a champion is one, you're gonna champion yourself to chase your dreams, find success and go after it. But two, it also means be the champion of others, which means you're out there opening doors, helping people and giving back to what you wish you would have known, the knowledge, the teaching, the learnings as you were going on your journey it's about going back and bringing other people, you know, with you on that journey. So the champion's vision came born out of this idea of if I was going to impact so many people, I had to come up with a way 
that or an idea or a vision that allowed me to articulate what I was trying to accomplish that mm -hmm. other people would buy into. And that's the whole idea behind a champion's vision is it's having a direction overall where you want to be, what you want to accomplish, what you want to do. That's such great empowerment that it lights you up, fires you up. But more importantly, everybody else around it goes, fuck, I want to be a part of that. Sure. I want to create that in my life. And I tell everybody, you get your champion's vision right when other people want to help you make that vision come true. And you said the vision is, I mean, it's usually tied to something that you've done for years. Yeah, in the past, can, yeah. Yeah, can you elaborate on that? For sure. It's, 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 there's a lot of us that are stubborn and very slow learners. I think that just summarizes my entire damn life. But when I launched my company, I had no desire to have networking groups in any portion or a part of my company because as a sales guy, I sold commercial printing and then I sold for Sandler training and then I became a trainer for Sandler. Um, I, during those phases of my life, did a ton of networking. I ran like 11 groups mm. for the Fort Worth Chamber. I created a whole bunch of my own outside of all the chambers mm. because I needed to get to a different level clientele. You know, mm. your traditional networking groups and the like were, were, you know, he had to get higher caliber. Right. And when I launched the company, I said, I'm going to leave the networking stuff behind because anybody who coaches or teaches networking is just some broke asshole that doesn't know how to sell, mm. you know? Right. And so- yeah. They're trying to teach networking. We don't need to fucking teach networking. Go say hi to a motherfucker. Good. Now you learn networking, right? Um, and so I did not want that to be part of my business. But when the pandemic broke out, we found ourselves in a, in a cool place where our company was going to be fine. We were already online doing a bunch of cool things, but we knew a lot of businesses couldn't transition. And we had found some success uh, early on but it was the moment that I realized that I had knowledge that other people could, could actually use. And my wife finally saying, dude, you're an idiot. If you don't do this, right. launch the networking groups. So often the vision, one of our early on visions was we were going to change how the world networks. Right. So that vision often stems from something that you're trying to run from that keeps popping its head up. Right. That's something that, that every time you try and do something that, comes back to the top of your freaking knowledge base and at some point you decide though i'm actually going to do something with this and that's where most people finally find their vision and, and it comes from something they've already done so give me just just i'd love to just another example of this you know donnie like you know um you've worked with a lot of clients to help them figure out what their their vision is um can you can you give me like another you know another scenario um, where somebody had no idea where to start and they they came up with what their vision was based on what well, they I'll give you a big one, then I'll give you a client one if that's cool. Sure. So so the big one, my favorite one of all time is Steve Jobs. Um, okay. and, and the reason I love Steve Jobs the most is he came out and set a computer for us. And dude, instantly, as soon as he said that, he was trying to figure out how to put the Apple, you know, computers on the fucking map. Sure. You know, and and get people to lean in and what he realized is he wasn't building a computer for the masses he was building the computer for the people who geeked out like he did on the fucking computer itself yeah right? and then by saying the computer for us right he caused an entire movement because as soon as he said that his champions his people that saw that realized that he literally just created a computer for them 
Hmm. So another ideal is um, and we and interrupt you there. So Steve Jobs is basically taking, you know, what he's been doing basically all of his life, which was working with hardware and software, yep. and just sort of creating another iteration of that vision based on that. Is that one hundred percent, one hundred percent, right? And and then being able to articulate in a way that people embraced and it was like, this is it. This is this is me. This is mine. And they could take complete ownership of, of this is the world they want to be a part of, right? Okay. For me, okay. that's an integral part because that's how, you know, people have actually leaned into the moment and your vision's right because they want to help see that come to a thing. And, and Steve's, you know, way of looking at it, then he, you know, created a massive movement. So um, uh, one of my clients, she's was a D1 freaking athlete, swimmer and was dominating all through college but right. her last meet because there's really no place excluding the olympics for swimmers to go after college yep. you know she knew it was over yeah. and so her last meet was her worst swim performance she ever had in her entire life okay right. important to the story so for a couple of years, she had been trying to build this kind of consulting business, knew she wanted to do something with athletes, but couldn't mm -hmm. fully wrap her head around it. And so mm -hmm. she was trying to do a lot of business around, you know, helping athletes transition into corporate America. And it just never felt right. Okay. We were working together for a while. And I said, you know, when were you at your best? And she goes, God, it was back in high school when I was swimming in high school. I was the best. I said, do me a favor. Go to a high school swim meet. So she goes to a high school swim meet and she comes back to it and she is just lit the fuck up. Right. This was the greatest thing she'd ever been to. And I said, what if you stopped working with the corporate athletes? What right. if you went back to the high school and you helped the kids? She goes, oh, my God, I wish somebody would have told me back then sure. that this meet doesn't fucking matter. Sure. So sure. she's now building an empire around the entire idea of going to say the high school athletes and divisions and everything. So her entire vision is to save and work on them mentally as much as they're working on themselves physically. It, it, All it, built on her, her prior experiences in swimming. And 100%. She was a kid. Yep. All right. So um, staying on the topic of champions, you, you list out, you know, champions codes, right? Yep. Um, you know, you, you talk about the values of a champion. You list out, and, and you, you you have an acronym for values. You talk about being vivid, authentic, list yep. the qualities, understand your vibe, explore and fuck up, show them off, right? Yep. So we won't go through all of them. I, again, I want people to read this book. Uh, it's that good, but let me pull out just a, a couple things, okay? Sure. Uh, tell me a bit, give me your thoughts on authenticity. So I think people don't understand authenticity. I think what they hear is when, when you've got to be authentic, they hear, I've got to share what the fuck I had for breakfast, or they got to share their deepest, darkest secrets type thing. because <laughs> That's what's being authentic. And what people don't understand is authentic is about being able to articulate the stories, the thoughts, the principles, the ideas that are going to resonate with the exact people you're talking to. Okay. So it's about having a vulnerability to use your own story to teach others. Like okay. I have no problem telling everybody that I completely almost lost my entire fucking farm building this company because I wish I would have heard somebody else going through it was struggling as much as I was, right? And you know, it's funny when you say that, because even from the first moment we were talking 
um, you didn't really give a shit about sharing your failures or you know what you know and what you don't know. You even said earlier about you know, but just like you know, for me, you know, my mind is you know, it's whatever. If I can even understand this stuff, that's authentic stuff. You know, you meet so many people in this world that wouldn't be that way because they're trying to give a perception that they know it all. Or they're well, and I'll be completely honest, man. Before yeah. I, I got into running my own company, there was a good portion of me that thought that I had to be somebody. Everybody feels that way. Right? I think it's an age thing. I really do. I, I, I don't thing. I, I, I don't disagree with that at all. <laughs> I think 40 is a magical year for a lot of fucking people. It is. It was, you know, but but I, I think once people... And, and people then take, you know, that, that sharing their story to teach to the, to the wrong extremes. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're going way over the top and sharing more detail where it really, you got to come back to and think about as I was going through it, what do I wish somebody would have said to me? Sure. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, yeah. It's just, I don't know. I feel the authenticity just change. I remember my wife saying that to me, she runs a nonprofit and, uh, you know, she had a point where, I mean, she's in her 50s now, like I am, but she had a point where she, before she thought if she were to ask, if she were to say to somebody, I don't understand what you mean or what you're saying, she would be perceived as being a dumbass, you know? Right, right. And then you hit a certain point in your life where you're like, you know what? I'm just me. I'm not a dumbass. I'm not the smartest person in the world either. And I just don't understand what you just said. So, you know, can you explain it again? You know? And I also find that when you're authentic, um, people respond to that, right? I Very mean, much like, so. Okay, I got it, right? Yeah, they'll actually lean into the conversation. I'll, I want to yeah. talk a little bit about your wife having the courage to be able to say, I just don't fucking understand you. And if more people would actually do that kind of stuff, we'd yeah. have better communication overall because oftentimes people speak at you and not with you, Yeah. right? And when you have the courage to say, look, you're speaking like I got two fucking heads right now. Can we slow this conversation down, come back around and then tell me a different way? Yeah. And oftentimes you'll watch even people themselves shift what they just said and rethink about it and then articulate in a, in a better way. And that's, and that's a lot of it. But, and then to your point of, dude, if you just show up as yourself, yeah. you never have to remember the stories to tell. You never have to, to, you know, worry about some lie you may have told out there, some stupid shit like that. It's, it's, you're sharing your own uh, thought processes and own stories. A great example, I saw an interview with Gary Vee mm. and they asked Gary, they're like, how come you don't do like these canned keynote speeches? He goes, mm. why would I? Mm. He goes, I'm just sharing my knowledge, my stories, my passions, my mm. things. Mm. He goes, you know, I just have a way of looking at life and people seem to lean in on that. Mm. Why would I want to put anything can together? Because now I'm not fully articulating what I want to say. I'm trying to do a speech or a presentation. And I thought that was a great example of showing up as you. One of the core value, a, you know, a core value that's part of the champion courage you, you mentioned is um, understanding your vibe. Can you explain yeah. what that means? So uh, we get fired up and knocked down by those that we surround ourselves with. And, okay. uh, you know, so a lot of it is for me, I don't want to be around to have a bunch of Eeyores in my life. You know, there, there's people that as soon as you meet them, you're like, fuck, this dude has blamed the world for everything that's ever fucking happened to him. And, and you can feel it because everything yeah. they say or do is a fucking excuse is, yeah. is, Oh, woe is me. Yeah. And look, misery loves fucking company. I know. And so, so their entire life is, 
if I can make everybody else around my around me's life suck as bad as mine, then it makes my life feel better because everybody else sucks, right? Yeah. So and that's part- gravitate. They gravitate to oh. people like that, right? Like well, you're, you know, you feel comfortable with your own. Yeah, right. Yeah, because it's this whole sense of I can save them, right? There, there, there's this whole thought process of oh they're so miserable. Let me just crawl in the shit pile with them because I can, I can dig them the fuck out. What I don't realize is they never dig the fuck out. They just stay right. in the shit pile. So yeah. for me, the vibe is, is it's that, but it's also, how are you projecting and showing up in the world, right? Are you finding yourself coming from an Eeyore state of mind because you're having a shitty day or, you know, that moment sucks or, are you lighting other people, you know, light them to fuck up? I mean, for me, when I sit across from somebody, mm. I want them to feel like they should, could run through a fucking brick wall by the sure. time we're done talking. Sure. Sure. And, and for me, I just, watching somebody else light up is huge. Mm. But that vibe has got to be carried through everything you do. It's not mm. just the individual. It's got to be how your whole company shows up. It's got to be how you show up. It's how you show up on social, how you show up in the home. I mean, everything has got to have that same type of vibe or it's almost like you're lying to the marketplace and putting on a show. Yeah. And I think it's important to, you say understanding your vibe. I, we were just talking about authenticity. Being authentic to others you know, is very important. But to me, understanding your vibe is being authentic to yourself, right? 100%. So, uh, you know, just, you know, saying like, this is my strength. These are my weaknesses. This is the way that I am. So this is how I'm going to be. I'm not going to portray myself any differently than that. That is my vibe. Um, and and you make best of that. All right. Um, we Because I, I'm sorry, I, I have so many more questions about the book. So, you know, I got to move on. We, we're, we're in the sales world now. Um, you have two full chapters that are devoted towards towards selling uh, right in the middle of the book. What is uh, the, the one chapter is, is all around what am I selling? Right. You write, if you can't package your words so people understand what you sell, then you're going to struggle. So first of all, I have to say that I, I give you lots of kudos for having a sentence that didn't have any profanity in it. So <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> because there's a lot of different ways you could have written a sentence. Right. Um, and secondly, um, let's expand on that. Okay. I mean, if you can't package your words so people understand what you sell, you're going to struggle. So give me yep. some examples. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. Really, you- really, really simple. I, every one of us has sat across from somebody and had upwards of even a 45, 60 minute conversation. They don't know down, what they do. I, right, they're like, I have no fucking clue what that person does, right? Yeah. We've all been there. Yeah. And the reason people can articulate what the fuck they do, it, it comes down very simply because that person themselves hasn't figured out what they actually do. Yes. Or there's some sort of avoidance. Like you'll see this a lot of times with maybe like financial advisors or insurance people. They're trying to skirt around what they actually do because they're tired of people flinching every time they say I do X, right? So they're, yeah. they're making up some sort of story. Yeah. So, so for me, it's really, really simple. It does not matter actually what you do. So you've got to be able to say it very, very pre- precisely. I'll pick on the financial advisors. You literally need to say, I'm a financial advisor. Yeah. That's it, right? Yeah. You know, there's, yeah. there's nothing else beyond that. Anything beyond that, and you're trying to sell. And that's yeah. where it hangs most people up and why we get confused 
is we sit across from that person for an hour and they spent the hour, which should have been a good, valuable conversation back and forth, opening doors for each other, trying to convince you that their service or product is the greatest thing since sliced fucking bread versus having a real, you know, adult fucking conversation. But you have to admit, though, that even if somebody says that they're a financial advisor, it, it's a, it's pretty likely that that whoever is getting that response is going to say, you know, what does that mean? You know, so yep. you do have to be prepared with something concise to say, well, this is what I do. Right. Or this For is sure. how I can help you. For sure. I don't disagree with that. I, I think as long as it's mm. coming from a perspective more focused on who you're trying to get to. Right. So if I said I'm a financial advisor and they're like, what does that mean? I'm going to say something along the lines of, well, I specifically work with CEOs, small business owners that have less than 40 employees, right? And describe the individual that I actually do business for, yeah. or even better yet, I'm going to say, you know, I do work with a lot of small business owners, but I'm really focused on meeting with other insurance agents or somebody else that's targeting that same industry. Sure. Because um, I didn't talk about in this book. I got another book to working on right now where we talk <laughs> more about fucking quit asking for referrals and go for introductions because referrals just come from broke people who don't know yeah. how to sell. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's the same idea of being able to articulate specifically who you're looking for. Yeah, it, it's funny too. And you, you, you just said it as well. When people, you know, ask you for something, you, if you could bring in what you do for your customers, your clients, you know, um, sure. you know, my customers buy this from me to use it for this purpose. The same thing as a financial advisor, you know, my customers hire me to do this, to, you know what I mean? To right. help choose the right insurance policies for them or to invest their money, you know? So all of that is really um, important stuff. Um, so then you talk about, you know, the person and what you're trying to sell and, you know, you know, the, the product itself. And then you move into about basically the customers, you know, and and you, you title a chapter that says, who the hell am I selling to? You had three questions that you should be posing to yourself. And I want to put you on the spot. So you have a lot of stuff in here. For sure. Uh, you should be asking yourself, who is your best client ever? What makes them the best client? Where did you find them? Right. So let's I just I'd like to sort of dig into that a little bit, like. Who is your best client ever? Why are you Why are you asking me to re, to ask myself that question? Because we all have, have had clients that we fucking hated. Right. Uh, we've all brought on clients that we shouldn't have brought on in the first place. Right. And I think people often are scared to pick a particular type of industry clientele that they want to go after for fear of being put into a box. Yeah. So for me... We all have that client that like, we want to go to the hangout, maybe even go so far as do family vacations with, yeah. right? Yeah. They they pay on time. They do what they're, what's asked of them. They show up, they do all the things. I want people to focus very specifically on that person that they want to go have a cocktail with on a regular basis. Because if you can learn a lot about that person, there's a opportunity and chance to find out specifically who you need to be selling to. like. Sense. Like oftentimes people don't even know where their best clients hang out in the business world. That's not normally where people hang out. Like, are they a part of associations or breakfast clubs or whatever? Right. You know, and I think that because people aren't taking time to actually get to know their clients, everything's a transaction 
they're missing out on a huge land grab opportunity to become known as the person who sells whatever you sell to this unique individual or group of individuals, which will build a monumental fucking company. Now, you also advise that I should be asking myself, where did I find this mm -hmm. best client? So tell me why that's important. Seems obvious. Go ahead. Well, you'd hope it's obvious, but uh, oftentimes when you ask people, they, don't, they can't tell you, but, but you may be sitting on a gold mine of potential clientele that you've never even thought about because you've not asked the question of where did I find them or better yet, where do they hang out mm -hmm. and, and go back. So, so once upon a time, uh, the largest deal I ever closed in my life came from a builder's association mm -hmm. and I was selling with Sandler training and I had no desire to sell home builders, mm -hmm. but while in a meeting at a home builders meeting, uh, a freaking one of the guys who happened to sell lumber mm. looked at me and said, Hey, I've got a group of sales guys. Would you be able to come in and talk to them? And mm. I went, wait a minute. And then I looked, started looking at the entire whole freaking, you know, association mm -hmm. and realized that there was a plethora of business that I'd never saw before mm. around a bunch of people that I could talk to because they're a bunch of good old boys. So, um, okay. I could talk to them really well. So I think it's really important that you start focusing on where you're finding them where they're coming from so you can see if there's any golden niches you should be playing around in donnie how do you disqualify someone <laughs> i love this so most <laughs> people don't know how to sell man and 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 for years it's been taught to qualify 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 okay. if you try and qualify somebody only thing you're trying to do is a hard closer ass Right. You're trying some sort of maneuver to hard close them. I want people to go to complete opposite of it. So what I want people to do is spend more time disqualifying them from being an ideal client for them. And the reason I want people to focus on disqualifying is simply this. If you know everything it takes for someone to say yes to you, right? They got to have time. They got to be able to say desire. They got to be able to say yes. They got to have money, right? All these types of things. Sure. If you spend that entire conversation with that individual and come from the perspective of, do they have the desire? Do they have the time? Do they have the money? Do I ultimately want to fucking work with them? Mm. Which I think is one of the biggest plays here, mm. you know, and you stay behind in your questioning and your curiosity and you spend all of that call trying to discern if you really want to do business with this person, will they meet you on your level? Will they actually get the results you say they're going to get? Yep. You're going to have one of the greatest sales conversations you've ever had because you're not going to come across as a jackass salesperson that's just trying to hard close and get the deal done. This isn't a move. This isn't a tactic. This is 100% about going in and having this raw conversation of uncovering their world and deciding if the two of you partner up, not close, but partner up, then good things will actually come out of this because you're genuinely know that you can help this person and they're going to get the results that you say they're going to get, mm -hmm. which by the way, opens up a shit ton of introductions and referrals on the back end by doing the right thing and taking care of the right people. 
When I was, um, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm a, I'm a CPA. You should have figured this out by the look already. Um, so <laughs> I, I missed the pocket protector. Sorry. Yeah, the pocket <laughs> available to you. I had to put it away for the purposes of this interview. Um, so I, I, I've, uh, you know, spent my life in the world of finance and accounting, and I remember one of my first jobs was as a controller of a company, and um, you know, my job was to oversee the financial statements and control the costs. And the CFO that I reported to said to me, hey, Gene, um, if, if I don't get calls from suppliers and vendors complaining about what a dickhead you are, then you're not doing your job. Right. right? And you say um, to be the face of your company, if you're not pissing <laughs> someone off, you're not doing it right, which yep. kind of sounds like similar advice. I can understand why my CFO gave me that advice as the, you know, as the cost conscious accountants of a company, why would you be giving that advice to, you know, the owner of a company? Yep. Really simple. Yep. Yep. Really simple. Most people have this save the world, serve the world complex. Okay. Okay. Very few of us are actually fucking Superman that are going to save the world, serve the world. Right. And because people are so generic in how they show up. Okay. They are trying to please the entire world. And when you try and please the entire world, you become nobody. You become the gray man. Okay. And when you become a gray man, nobody wants to do business with you because now you're, you're lurking in the shadows. On the flip side of this, if you pick your lanes, now I don't talk about world news, religion, or politics, right? Those three things stay out of my, my, my wheelhouse because I don't want to pick those. Right. Yeah. Smart man. I want to pick those fights. Yeah. But outside of that, if I am not putting out content that speaks directly to the people I want to fucking work with. Yeah. Part of the reason I cuss like I tusk, part of the reason I show up in my ball caps and everything is because there's a certain sect of the world that's going to look at me and instantly know that's not my guy. Yeah, they're going to hate you, um, a certain portion. And then, of course, there is it's a big country. Yep. So, uh, you know, there is also going to be an equally big portion of people that will be like, that's the kind of guy I like to work with. I like his honesty. I like the profanity. Yep. It helps. It's fun. You know what I mean? It's good. Yep. So I guess you're right. You just got to be sort of honest. You, you crack me up because, listen, for the past 20 years, I've been running a company that implements uh, CRM software, like Salesforce, yep. and Soho, yep. and those kinds of things. I have, with employees on the phone, I have gotten into fights with clients, you know, I mean, like where I'm screaming at a client, I'm like, with my employees are just shocked, you know, uh, mainly because it's like, dude, you know, I know what I know. And, you know, you, what you want to do, you're going to fuck things up. Do you know what I mean? So listen to me, because this is what I do for a living. Do you know what I mean? And it would, you know, it, either clients, some clients get it. And they understand, okay, I'm hiring this guy to be our consultant. I'm going to listen to what he tells you. Other people want to fight you. And for the ones that are going to fight you, you know, I, I'm always like, it's just not going to be worthwhile as a client. It's just going to be trouble in the long run, right? And this goes back to disqualifying early up, man. I'd rather find that out yep. during the sales process yep. versus yep. being in bed with them, have exchanges going. And then all of a sudden, because we signed some agreement to move forward, now they fucking hate me and badmouth me in the marketplace saying I'm just an asshole when truth be told, they just didn't want to do what they knew they were paying me for in the first fucking place. Exactly right. Exactly right. All right, Donnie. 
what is the million dollar time hack? <laughs> dude, I'm, I love the fact that you dove so much into this. That's fucking oh, awesome. Oh, this book so, is great. This book oh, is- thanks, dude. So, so I had to come up with this because I wasn't always honoring my own commitments in the sales process. Okay. okay. So they're, they're like, you need to schedule your business development time, right? You need to schedule your call time, right? Those things need to be hard, fast. And I found myself at different times, whether it was running my own company or working for others, that I didn't honor that window of time to do the business development stuff, the prospecting and the, and the likes. Right. And that's always cost me. Every time that I did not honor my business development activities, it cost me. And by the way, um, it's, I, it is one of the most common issues when people start up businesses, particularly if you're in a service business, they work really hard to get some job project yep. that they're working 60 yep. hours a week on the project. And then the project ends and they're like, oh, what the oh, fuck? Oh, shit. Yeah, now? exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. So this was the way I fixed it for me. Right. So I'll ask you it the same way I did it in the book because I thought, I still think it's funny, is if you had an appointment with a client that was worth a million fucking dollars, <laughs> would anything in the world keep you from, barring your family member dying, bar you from being at that fucking appointment? I will ask you a question, because I ask this question when people uh, say to me that they've been, they were late to, I'll give you an example. Last week, I had to change, well, I had to change our appointment. You know, we were to the, this interview um, because something had come up, okay? Yep. And what happened was, I chose that something over you, yep. right? It was a, a life is full of options. We're always making for sure. Choices. If you had said to me, Hey, Gene, I'll give you a million dollars for us to, for you to be on that call so we can have our, you know, our interview last week. Trust me when I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing didn't no longer matter. <laughs> the other thing suddenly went out of that, right? Because we're sure. all making those choices. I get that's the million dollar time act, isn't that, it? That's it. Is yeah. you've got to treat whatever that activity is that you have to get done as if it's worth a million dollars. And for me, I always look at it from that perspective. I mean, I've closed million dollar deals and, you know, so I know the rush and things that comes from that. So, so when you look at it and for me, I use it specifically for business development is every business development time slot is a million dollar activity and you're just not going to miss it, you know, barring, my wife calling me and say the house is burning down. Right, right, right. Well, it, it, it's full of options and that is a great way to evaluate. That was the other thing I always uh, use that. I'm, I'm a big like on-time guy. Like I always oh, feel like sure. you're either, you know, you're either long, you're either on time or you're late. And there's no such thing as being early. And, uh, and whenever people are late for stuff, I always say to them, and they're, oh, I'm so sorry, traffic was so bad, you know, whatever. And I always think to myself, dude, if I told you that if you were on time, you get a million dollars, you would have been on time. You know, yep. <laughs> you would have left that much. Or so it's all those choices that you make that involve your time, which impacts other people, you know, the decision. 100%. Yeah. And for me, I mean, that's always been huge. And I, I admit when I first got out of the Marine Corps and I'm getting into corporate America, you yeah. know, I was 15 minutes early to calls yeah. and I had to teach myself to show up later and sit in a parking lot for longer because that's what I do. Right. Because nobody wants you. The receptionist is like, what do I do with this guy? But <laughs> I do the same thing, Donna. Like, you know, when I go out to see a client, that's exactly like I will get there 15, 20 minutes or and I'll sit in my car. It's like, respecting you know, them and their time. You know, yes, that's exactly right. And that respect goes, you know, you know, it'll turn up 360 degrees around um, to ultimately impact your relationship with that with that client. 100 percent. So it is respect. 
Um, we're, we're, we're almost out of time. So uh, just another question I'll ask you is just because I, I, I wanted you to explain this to my audience. Line of effort. Can you, can you explain <laughs> what, that, what that means? It's part of a chapter that you wrote, a yep. great chapter about plan and attack. Absolutely. Um, so for sure, uh, I think as companies as a whole, that we don't look forward enough to figure out where we're going and how we're going to do things and how we're going to accomplish things. And, and full open pr perspective, um, it was my business partner that helped me figure a lot of this out, is I'm a guy that just runs and guns, right? I want to make snap decisions. I want things to happen and just go. And oftentimes I was finding myself in situations where everything was going, but nothing was being completed. Mm. So line of effort is the ability, and it, it's adapted from the military, but the military uses it for is if they're going into a country that they're reestablishing government control and everything else, you got to realize there's a lot of moving parts in there. So you've got mm. government entities, local entities, you've got military commands, and all of them are going to have be moving at different times and places. The line of effort is what they use to keep everybody on the same sheet of music so they know when this you know, thing gets established, then this thing happens. And then this thing gets established and this happens, right? So mm. everybody is walking on the same planes. Mm. So we used it in the company to say, okay, what's our biggest focus for the year? What are the things we need to accomplish? And then what are everything we're doing? When is that firing off and where does that fire, you know, land in our overall vision and scheme of things? Mm. So it's a cool way to look at your company and know when you're tackling that thing. If you know, even down from like the book launch, we knew when we should start working on the book launch. We knew what the endeavors were, and we knew how that lined up and stacked up, say, against our badass business summit or our retreats. Mm -hmm. You know, we knew exactly where everything fell because it was a laid out very tactically. And I am not a process and system guy. I think I say it yeah, a dozen times in a fucking book, yeah. you know, but this is a way to strategically look at your company and know when you need to do the thing you need to actually get done. It's, it's a plan, isn't it? I mean, that's really what you're saying. And, and my best clients, um, they always have plans. They, they're always looking ahead six months to a year or specific projects or things are going to come in. And they have, they've got a plan A and a plan B and a plan C. You know, if it goes this way, we're going to do this. If we go this way, we're going to do that. Um, and it's just, it's just, it's amazing how many people don't think that far ahead. Um, and you're trying to run a business. And if I can say one thing, it's like it's your responsibility to, to do that, to have a line of effort, to have a plan, because you've got people that are relying on you to make these decisions, you know, and if you're not doing that, you fucking shit up. Um, you know, it, it impacts their jobs. It impacts their lives. Right? Well, for sure. And, you know, I think as a leader, to your point, it is on you to make sure all things inside your company are functioning. Yes. Now, a lot of that requires you to hire the right people, put the right yes. butts in the right seats. But this line of effort allows you to know when each moving part in your company should fire and happen, right? Which right. should trickle down. And and it's just a cool way to keep everybody singing the same damn song. The book is called From Fuck to Focus, Taking Your Business from Growth Mode to Ultimate Scale. I've been speaking to Donnie Bovey, the author of the book as well. We'll be putting up the URL. Obviously, the book cover has been shown throughout this interview. Donnie, don't leave yet. I'm going to let me give my goodbye. And then- Oh, know, uh, let me do one quick thing for me. Yeah, let me do one quick thing for you. Yeah, go ahead. Bring it on. Guys, if you listen to this and you got any value out of it, do Gene the biggest favor and make sure you share this out with one other person. Having my own podcast and show, I can tell you the hardest thing to do is grow in the show. 
you know there's some value, some tips, some tricks, not from just this episode, but past episodes. Share this out with one person who needs to hear this kind of stuff. It'll mean the world to him. Great. Thank you very much. Stick around after I say my goodbyes, because I do well and say a personal goodbye to you as well. For sure. Uh, guys, thank you so much for watching, and thank you so much for listening. My name is G. March. You've been listening to Biz Books, where we talk to great business authors who write great business books. I will be back in two weeks with another interview with a really fantastic business author like Donnie. Uh, again, thank you for listening. We will see you again soon. Take care.